Good morning. Good to see this big crowd out the promised land this morning. Take your red hymnal, turn to hymn number 247, Crash the Road. Let's all stand. First and last stanza. in a word of prayer. Father, Kevin, Lord, we just thank you for this day. Thank you indeed that Jesus is alive and he was crucified for our sins on that cross on Calvary to uh, cover our sins with his blood, O oh God, but he went to the grave with on the third day he arose. Amen. And Father, with all your plan and we worship and adore you, O oh God, this day. Lord, again, we ask you to give us our sins, cleanse us, O oh God, purge us with this day. In our prayer, in Jesus' name we ask you. Amen. Turn to your red hymnal to hymn number 219, first and last stanza. Hymn number 219.
of blood that cost a life that paid my way death its price when it flowed down from the cross my sins were gone my sins forgot there is a grave that tried to hide this precious blood that gave me life in three days he breathed again and rose to stand in my defense so i come to tell you he's alive to tell you that he tries every tear that falls so i come to tell you that he saves to shout and to proclaim that he's coming back for you there is a blood that sights the blind, that heals the sick, the lonely finds. It has the power to free the bound as chains they fall upon the ground. So pour it out to cleanse my soul and let his liquid glory flow because it lives to make me whole i owe my life i owe my all so i come to tell you he's alive to tell you that he tries every tear that falls so i come to tell you that he saves to shout and to proclaim that he's coming back for you oh this blood this precious blood this blood it can wash away your sins what can wash away my sin oh nothing absolutely nothing but the blood what can what can make me whole again There is a grave that tried to hide this precious blood that gave me life. But in three days, he breathed again and rose to stand in my 
to tell you that he tries every tear that falls. So I come to tell you that he saves, to shout and to proclaim that he's coming back for you. So I come to tell
Boy, that's good, isn't it? I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad I get to preach right now. Man, how exciting this is. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Isn't the Lord good? I'm glad He's alive. <clears throat> but I'm glad I can celebrate it every day. And I can shout Him every day. He's worth praising. He's worth singing about. He's worth preaching about. It's good to see the church house full. It's good to see everybody here. Thank you so much for being here. But y'all didn't come for me. You didn't come for this choir. You didn't come for a singer. You came to celebrate Jesus. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be worshipped in this place. I want to ask for your undivided attention a little while. We have a lot of folks in this place. Fire marshal would not be happy with us. But uh, thank the Lord they don't come to the country uh, very often. So it's hard to believe we're in the middle of a cornfield today. But isn't God good? And we're going to worship Him and we're going to praise Him today. And I won't keep you very long. But we're going to give Him honor and glory. And I'll tell you one of the greatest things I think could take place today if somebody got saved. If somebody got born again today. If the saved were drawn closer to Him. And we got on fire for Jesus. We got motivated to worship Him and to serve Him. Philippians chapter 3 and in verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death, if by any means... I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Dear Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. Lord, give me power from on high to preach your word the way you designed it. Lord, I pray souls would be saved today. I pray, Lord, you'd help us get all the distractions out of our minds, out of this place. May we focus on your word a little while. And may you get all the honor and glory. Lord, I want to thank you for all that you've done for us. You've been so good. Lord, I can sit here all day and I can thank you for all that you've done. But Lord, most of all, I want to thank you for defeating death, hell, and the grave. Lord, thank you that no Roman soldier could keep you dead. Thank you, Lord, that there was not a government in this world that could conceal you and keep you hidden from us. I'm glad there's no power on earth that's greater than yours. I'm glad, glad that you're bigger and you're greater than anybody and everyone. And Lord, our faith is in you today. Lord, I love you. And I'm going to let you get the honor and glory from this. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to talk to you this morning on this subject, the application of the resurrection. The application of the resurrection. We have shouted from one wall to the other wall the fact this morning that Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. We have shouted, we have sung, we have praised the fact that Jesus is alive. And that on that third morning after he died on Calvary, 
that his disciples went to the tomb and the tomb was empty. He was not there for he had risen. And I'm glad to know that Jesus has ascended at the right hand of the throne of God. And I want you to know the fact that he's alive is something, the most powerful subject, I believe, on the face of the earth. There is not any power greater than the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. But may I tell you, as we sing about it, as we shout about it, as we praise about it, there is nothing about the resurrection will do you any good until you apply it. And I'm telling you, we can sit here and we can talk about how Jesus got up and how Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. But if you don't apply it to your life, it's useless. If you don't apply it to your heart and your soul, it does you no good. We shout in the South about uh, Easter and about Resurrection Sunday and all through Ashley County, the church houses are full and praise the Lord for that. But I'm telling you, it does us no good just to talk about it. It does it no good for us just to sing about it. I'm telling you the power of the resurrection lies in the application of the resurrection. Talking about it's not good enough. Child of God, you need to apply the resurrection of Jesus Christ to your life. He's alive. He's alive. There's victory in Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you've never applied that to your life and your heart, you're missing out. You're missing out on the greatest blessing. I'm telling you, everything in the world cannot bring you the joy and satisfaction that Jesus can. Jesus can satisfy your soul. I hope and pray this morning that we can apply the resurrection of Jesus Christ to us. The Apostle Paul had met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and this became a life-changing experience. I'm telling you, the day he met Jesus, it changed his world. Aren't you glad the day you met him changed you? Aren't you glad the day that you met him, it transformed you? You know why? Because he's not a dead Savior, he's a living Savior. He's an active Savior and actively working in our lives. And he worked in the life of Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul. And friend, when you meet the one that defeated death, hell, and the grave, it's a powerful experience. Man, I'm telling you, when you apply Him to your life, it changes you. Paul's relationship with Jesus meant more to him than anything in this world. Because the day he met Jesus, it changed him. And that meant something to him. Paul understood he was headed for hell, but now he was headed for heaven because of Jesus. And that meant something to him. Jesus saved him, and that meant something to him. Jesus forgave him, and that meant something to him. Jesus redeemed him, and that meant something to him. Child of God, that ought to mean something to us. That ought to mean something to us for what Jesus has done for us. I want you to notice first off, the application is personal. I want you to notice what he said in verse 10. Verse 10 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. But the Apostle Paul had a love relationship with Jesus. And he said that I may know Him. The application of the resurrection is this. It's something that is personal. It's not good enough that He rose from the grave for the world. But child of God, He rose for you. The resurrection is a personal experience. The relationship with Jesus is a personal experience. And Paul already met Jesus, but now Paul wanted to know Jesus. And may I tell you, it's not good enough just to meet Him, but I don't know about y'all, but I want to know Him. 
The one who redeemed me, I want to know him. The one who put the stars in the sky, I want to know him. The one that parted the Red Sea, I want to know him. I meet people all the time. I don't remember half the folks I meet. Y'all know that and I know that. I get more names messed up and I meet more people that I forget. People will walk into church and I'll say, well, I'm Brother Josh, it's good to have you. And they just like, yeah, I met you the last four Sundays. I've been here for a month. I can't remember. Because I meet all kinds of people. But when I get to know them, it changes our relationship. And just getting to meet Jesus is not good enough. And I am thankful that I've got to meet all of y'all. And I hope and pray that I get the privilege to know you. And how, how do you get to the place where you know somebody? Well, one thing, you've got to take time. You've got to take time to know them. And it's got to be important enough to take time out of your day to really get to know somebody. I mean, you can fly through life and meet people, meet people, meet people, but if you don't spend time with them, you'll never know them. Let me tell you something. You can meet Jesus, but if you don't ever spend time with Jesus, you'll never get to know Him. Child of God, we need to spend time with Jesus. The only way to get to know Him is to spend time with Him. The only relationship in the Bible that, that uh, symbolizes our relationship with Christ is the relationship between a husband and a wife. And that relationship is that picture of what it ought to be with us and Jesus. And if you don't fellowship with your wife or your husband, you're not going to have much of a relationship. If you're not going to be together very long, there's not going to be much to your relationship and it's not going to last very long. If you want it to last, get to know them. If you want it to last, talk to them. Communicate with them. Go out with them. Spend time with them. Be with them. That ought to be your best friend. I'm telling you, your spouse ought to be everything to you. Hello? Y'all can amen that. It's all right. That's why marriages are struggling today. Hey, our marriage ought to be everything. But before our marriage ought to be our relationship with Jesus. Child of God, it's not good enough to meet Him. You ought to know Him today. Knowing Jesus is a life-changing experience. And Paul met Jesus, and it changed his life. And that experience meant so much to him. You know what he said? I'm going to stay with him. And I'm going to get to know him. And I'm going to talk to him. And I'm going to fellowship with him. And I'm going to walk with him. Man, the day he met Jesus, it changed his life. And I'm telling you, he had things that he wanted to do in life, but his priorities changed that day. His motives changed that day. His thought process changed the day that he met Jesus. And he said, man, I met him. He meant so much to me. I want to know him now. Child of God, do you want to know him? You met him, but do you want to know him? You know what? The greatest thing about Jesus getting up from the grave is we don't serve a dead Savior. Sometimes as Christians, we act like we serve a dead Savior. We meet Him, but we don't know Him. Let me tell you something. Jesus is alive. That means He's active. That means He's on the right hand of the throne of God. That means I can wake up in the morning and talk to Him. That means I can walk with Him. I'm telling you, Jesus is not a dead Savior. He's a living Savior. I'm telling you, He's not Muhammad or Baal. Those folks are still in the grave. My Savior got up the third day. And because He's alive, I can talk to Him. Because He's alive, I can fellowship with Him. Because He's alive, every time that I get in the valley, He's right there with me. 
I'm telling you, this is something personal. And when you apply the resurrection of Jesus Christ to your life, it becomes personal. Praise God that He saved the world, but bless God He saved me. Praise God that He loves the world, but He loves me. Praise God that He got up and defeated death, hell, and the grave for everybody. But He did it for me and He did it for you. It's personal. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is personal. Notice what He said in verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. He said there's nothing in this world more important than getting to fellowship with Jesus. There is nothing in this world that means more to me than Jesus Christ. And you know what happens when we apply the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Your relationship with Him becomes something. It's not just on the back burner. It's not something we pick up on Sunday morning. It's something that we walk with every single day. He said Jesus means more to me than any sport or any hobby or any job or any family member. Jesus is before all of those things. And child of God, He ought to have the preeminence of our life. He ought to be number one in our life. Not only is the application personal, but the application is powerful. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection. Applying the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a powerful thing because it's a saving power. It's a transforming power. It's a redeeming power. The power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ applied to you personally will change your life. I'm telling you, you can get to the cross with alcohol and drugs and addiction, and when you meet Jesus, He can break every band. He can break every addiction. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the sorriest daddies in the world can get to the cross and God make them whole again. I'm telling you, the sorriest folks in the world can get to the cross and Jesus can save them and clean them up and make them whole again. You say, preacher, I don't know about that. Well, I'm a witness to that. And I'm telling you, Jesus can save anybody. Jesus can save anybody. That's the power of the resurrection of Jesus. I want you to hold your place there and look in John 20. If you're with me, say amen. <clears throat> this place is packed, and you could hear a pin drop this morning. Man, isn't that great? Man, the peace, the spirit that's in this place today. Oh, Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. You know what I love? That when he come back, and he came back to present himself, you know who he came back to? He came back to the church. He came back to his disciples. And he presented himself, but somebody missed the meeting. Somebody missed the church service that day. And when you miss the church service, you miss something. And this man missed something that day. John chapter 20 and verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of, uh, or excuse me, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within. Eight days Jesus had rose from the grave. Eight days after he met with the church, this man was sitting there in disbelief. 
Could you imagine the misery that he was in? Could you imagine the pain that this man was in? But notice what he said. And after eight days, again, after his disciples were within and Thomas with them, then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And so here was this man that doubted the resurrection of Jesus Christ. By the way, this man was a church member. By the way, this man sat at the table and he heard Jesus prophesy, I'm going to die and on the third day I'm going to get up. But he didn't believe it. He struggled. And there he was there and Jesus appeared. I'm telling you, the risen Savior came before his life. I'm telling you, as he was standing there in the church meeting, Jesus walked through the door. I don't know about y'all, but 2,000 years later, right here, Jesus can come through the door and can save your soul. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad that Jesus said where two or three are gathered in my name, there I'll be in the midst of them. I'm glad the risen Savior is still in the midst of His church. I'm still, hey, I'm not glad this is just me leading this. This is the Holy Spirit of God. This is Jesus Christ doing this right here. Oh, I hope the preacher's got a good one today. If you're looking to me, you're, you're in bad shape. We're looking to Him because Jesus is in the house. You know why souls can be saved? Because Jesus is here. You know why forgiveness can be received? Because Jesus is here. He's in the house. And this man got in the church house. And there come Jesus. Oh, this man been doubting. Oh, he was doubting. He said, all right, Thomas, reach hither thy finger. Behold my hands. Feel the, feel the, the, the wounds. Feel where the nails were. Put your hand into my side. And he said, be not faithless, but believe him. And I want you to notice the response of Thomas. Thomas answered and said, my Lord and my God. He didn't have to touch him. He didn't have to thrust aside. When he seen Jesus, he believed. When he felt his presence, he believed. He didn't have to go and put his, put, uh, put his fingers in his hands on the scars. He just believed that that was the Son of God. I'm telling you, you don't have to go to Israel to believe it. You don't have to be there at Golgotha to know that Jesus died for you. You didn't have to be there on that third morning when the tomb was rolled away. I'm telling you, you don't have to be there and see it with your eyes because you know it in your heart. Because I'm telling you, when he seen Jesus, he said, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God, this man had been doubting, this man had been faithless, this man was in the dumps. I'm telling you, everything was bad till Jesus walked in. And he said, wow, my Lord and my God. He was stopped in his tracks. Jesus stopped him. And that very moment, in that very breath, Thomas made the Lord the king of his heart. He made him the Lord of his life. He made him the Lord of the universe. I'm telling you, right there in the heart of that man, it didn't matter what the world was doing. Thomas said, Jesus is number one. It didn't matter what the world thought. Thomas said, I'm making Jesus my Lord and my God. I'm telling you, he crowned him the King of kings right inside of his soul. I'm telling you right here in this place this morning, who cares what everybody else is doing? Who cares what the world is doing? You can make Jesus your Lord and Savior right here in your heart. And I'm telling you, it will change your life. It will save you. It will change you. It will transform you. I want you to look back in our text. Y'all stay with me. I'm almost done. Philippians chapter 3. 
that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering. The application is personal, is powerful, and is painful. Jesus suffered. Jesus died. Nobody has ever died quite like Jesus has died. Nobody has gone through the pain quite like, quite like Jesus went through the pain. But all the pain that he went through on that third and glorious morning, it was all taken away. And all the suffering and all that he went through on that third morning, it was worth every bit of it. I know the suffering was bad, but because he suffered, I can live forevermore. I know the crucifixion is a horrible thought. It's a horrible place. But it was needed for there to be redemption for your sins. Listen to me this morning. Listen to me this morning. Jesus suffered for you. And He suffered for me. And He died. And He was separated from the love of God so that we would never have to be. And that day that Paul met Jesus, on that Damascus road, I'm telling you, it changed his life. It changed his life. It transformed him. He was going to kill Christians. He was going to persecute Christians. And he went and ended up having church with the very folks that he was going to bring back and arrest. I'm telling you, Jesus will change your life. But when you serve the risen Savior, understand there will be suffering in the midst of it. Everybody, stay with me. There will be suffering in the midst of it. I'm not going to tell you that if you get saved this morning, everything will be perfect, because it won't be. But I'm telling you, when you get in the valley, there's going to be somebody to walk with you. I'm telling you, through your suffering will be some of the greatest fellowship that you've ever seen in all of your life. I'm telling you, the Apostle Paul went through great suffering. He had a thorn in his flesh. I'm telling you, this man suffered for the sake of Jesus Christ. But you know what? He's alive. It's all right. If we suffer a little bit, it's all right. If he defeated death, hell, and the grave, he can take care of my enemies, and he can take care of your enemies too. I'm telling you, if he can do what he did at Calvary and those three days in the tomb, he can do anything you need in your life. You listen to me. There's victory in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There'll be suffering, but bless God, there's victory. Child of God, smile. It's all right. We got something to smile about. I'm telling you, you couldn't get the Apostle Paul down. They arrested him for preaching Jesus. They arrested him, and he got in there, Paul and Silas, at midnight. And I'm telling you, they threw them in stocks and bonds, and they, man, they cuffed them, and they put them in the jail cell. But I'm glad what God has given life to, mankind can't hurt it. Amen? I'm glad they got in there, and though they were arrested, though it was dark, though it was midnight, they had a joy inside of their life. And them old folks got to singing, and they got to praising. Aren't you glad because Jesus is alive, no matter what's going on in your life, you can still praise Him. You can still sing. And oh, they got to singing and shouting, and, and the jail cell began to shake. The earth began to quake. I'm glad to know that my song and my praise can change things. Why? Because He's still on His throne. I'm telling you, He can change your life. He can do anything for you this morning. My God can save you. My God can redeem you. I'm telling you, Jesus is a life-changing experience. I want to close with this. An old black preacher once preached this. It's one of the most famous things I've ever seen. It's had over a million hits on YouTube. But a man by the name of S.M. Lockridge began one time at Calvary Baptist Church in San Diego, California to describe Jesus 
to his listeners. I'm telling you, Jesus is the greatest thing that has ever happened in my life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changed my life, and it can change yours. The Bible says that he's the king of the Jews. The Bible says that he's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. David said, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far sea seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessings. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally grateful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? Do you know him? Whew, I hope we get louder. He's the greatest phenomenon that ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's Son. He's a sinner Savior. He's a centerpiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude of Himself. He's awesome. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's a lawless idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's a supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call Him. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient Savior. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? He supplies the strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and He saves. He strengthens and He sustains. He guards and He guides. He heals the sick. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? He cleanses lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. And He beautifies the meek. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring to wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His Word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy. And His burden is light. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. The heavens of heaven cannot contain Him, let alone a man explain Him. You can't get Him out of your mind. You can't get Him off your hands. You can't outlive Him, and you can't live without Him. The Pharisees couldn't stand Him, but they found out they couldn't stop Him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in Him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill Him. Death couldn't handle Him. And the couldn't hold him. He always has been and he always will be. He had no predecessor and he'll have no successor. There was nobody before him and there'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him and he's not going to resign. That's my king. That's my king. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. And when you get done with all the forevers, amen. Isn't it good this this morning. Make Him the King of your life. Let Him change you this morning. 
Don't worry about what the world's doing. Make him king of your heart. You crown him in your life today. Everybody's staying very quiet, very reverent. We're going to have a hymn of invitation. If you're here this morning, you say, Preachers, you got to preaching. Just feel like I'm lost and I need to be saved. I need to know that man named Jesus. I can't save you, but I know a man who can. And he'll change your life. Who cares what we're doing for Easter dinner? Jesus is in the house. And he's wanting to save. And he's wanting to change. If God's convicting you to be saved, would you come down and let me show you how to be saved? There's no reason why anybody in this room should walk out those doors lost. If I died right now, I'm going to heaven. If you're going to hell, would you be saved today? If you have a public decision to make, let's make that. Every head is bowed, every eye closed. 